Hey everybody, welcome back to Real Rife and Real Rotten, the podcast where we're taking a look at the highs and lows of your favorite Hollywood artists. Each month we're going to be looking at uh, Rotten Tomatoes to determine the best and the worst film in one individual's filmography. You can listen along, let us know what you think about the best and worst of these people. We talked about Ridley Scott, we did Alien a little while ago, and now we're covering Ridley Scott's worst film, which is the 25% uh, critical rating on Rotten Tomatoes for A Good Year, which came out in 2006. Stars Russell Crowe as a British investment broker who inherits his uncle's chateau and vineyard in Provence. I assume that's how you pronounce it. It's not Provence. Where he spent much of his childhood, he discovers a new laid-back lifestyle as he tries to renovate the estate to be sold. Clay, I'm Wes, by the way. This is Clay. Clay, how are you? I think I have to quit this podcast. <laughs> We've... It's been a, it's been, we were so new here, but I've, I've actually had quite an eye-opening experience about all the potential for bad movies that exist yeah. in the world. I don't know if the highs are worth the lows. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought it would Two be. Mo- we're going through a fucking gauntlet here. <laughs> I thought it would be more along the lines of, we talked about like, I was looking at, um. Stanley Kubrick, right? And I was like, uh-huh. oh, a great director has like a 99 for a high and a 73 for a low. Yeah. I thought that if you were a capable director, I wouldn't expect that you would have such a variance here. I, I, I'm surprised that, you know, he's much older at this point. Maybe Ridley Scott isn't quite the uh, the youthful filmmaker he used to be. This came out in 06. I'm just, I, I would have thought that everyone involved in this movie would have known better than what, than what yeah. was going on here. It's, I, it's odd. I can't explain the existence of this movie. Like it's, I looked it up a little bit. And it's it's based on a book, but the idea for the book came from Ridley Scott. Yeah, it's so a, if it, I, Ridley if Scott's I, friend wrote the book. Yeah, but then, yeah. so Ridley Scott came up with the idea for the book. His friend wrote the book, but he, Ridley Scott didn't like the way he took the story <laughs> in the book. So he just made the story that he thought of initially. Yeah. And so this is more or less written and directed by Ridley Scott. They said, and so, they, said they added conflict. The book did not have conflict, so I can't imagine oh, what really? the fuck was going what, on in the book. Yeah. yeah, what conflict did they add? <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of people, a little bit of information about uh, this movie. There's not there's not a tremendous amount. It, uh, it's everything that Clay describes. Ridley Scott apparently owns a house in this area, and one of the things that he was talking about is one of the best parts of making it was everything was like an eight-minute drive from his house when he, when he had to go shoot the film. Uh, yep. So he loves the area, clearly. He, wants to, he lives there. Um, he brought Russell Crowe in and everything like that. Uh, you know, it's a, sort of a hodgepodge production. Writer Mark Klein took this book, and he... He had the idea of Albert Finney was going to be a ghost in it, but Ridley Scott didn't like that, so they just do these flashbacks. It was shot nine weeks in 2005. Um, They filmed all over France. It's supposed to be southern France. Uh, A lot of the feedback that Ridley Scott seemed to have was about the production design. Like, for instance, he wanted a clay tennis court, and they don't have clay tennis courts in that part of the world because of the climate, so they made one for them. Um, And so it's just kind of weird stuff like that. There's not a lot of information on it. I don't know. This movie costs thirty-five million dollars to make. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine. Holy shit! It's got to be Ridley Scott, Russell Crowe's salaries, and then maybe the location or where, wherever they were shooting might have taken yeah. up a decent amount. The the only thing that I could think of as I was thinking about it right now was like, oh, this has just got to be like a low budget, you know, passion project or something. Thirty-five million dollars. Yep. Disaster artist costs ten million dollars to make. <laughs> so let's talk about. A good year, which is not a good movie. Um, 
more like a good 10 minutes before I wanted to hang myself. This is, it's a two-hour movie. You all thought I was going to say a bad year, didn't you? It is a romantic comedy that is fairly unique because it has no comedy in it whatsoever, and it has maybe 10 minutes of romance at the very end. Uh, My big takeaway on a story level is how aimless everything is that happens in this movie. And it's, uh, it's the, to me, the big problem here is there's three different things going on and none of them are lining up with each other. Like it's based on this book that apparently has no conflict. Yeah. Uh, Ridley Scott, his direction is interesting, but he, the Ridley Scott movie seems to be that he thought this was going to be kind of a whimsical, almost fantasy like movie because, Mm -hmm. The way that he shoots British landscapes against the sort of like fantasy land of France is night and mm-hmm. day. Like the color correction is totally different between yes. them. And the, the amount of light he shoots in France, like everything is very uh, fairy tale looking. It seems like he wants almost more of like a big fish type story going on here. Mm-hmm. And Russell Crowe is just like, you know what? I'm going to do fucking slapstick for two hours oh, here. Oh, God. And- he thinks he's fucking Charlie Chaplin <laughs> in this movie. And he's... And so Russell Crowe comes in, and I think that the script, if you play it straighter, is more of like a indie mumblecore kind of thing. Like it's a very low key, not overtly funny type thing. But this, Ru- Russell Crowe comes in and just is like, "This is how people do comedy. Follow my lead, gentlemen. I'll lead you to victory." Max, you back in Blighty? On the contrary, Chuckles. I've decided to stick around for a couple of days. So it's true, you are getting the sack. No, I'm not getting the sack, Charlie. I'm just exploring my options, with a view to realizing the full potential of my inheritance. Well, speaking of your inheritance, how soon before we can view? It's cosmetic stuff, mostly, I'd say. Surprising, actually, how well it's been maintained. Mm. So you don't need a contractor or anything like that? No, 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 no. Just needs a coat of paint and a bit of a scrub. Okay, you sure? No problem at all, Charlie. Good. Charlie? Charlie, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me now? Yes. Look, I wasn't joking before about uh, what I said about the wine they make here. It is not, I repeat, not first class. Will that affect our price? Well, how bad can it be? Uh, Well, it gives you a blinding headache and it makes you angry. Oh. I can't imagine the damage a second sip might do. Well, we just have to make sure our buyers don't know anything about wine. We'll concentrate on the Americans. This is the best looking hallmark original movie i've ever seen yeah yeah it's like it's the it's the exact same the only thing separating this from a movie you would see on the hallmark channel is the fact that it looks like a million bucks yep and it does but at the same time i feel like really scott is he feels like he's just trying some shit out in this movie like there's some weird like fast motion stuff that he's he does that he's never done in anything before and some weird like visual effects stuff that he's never done in anything before there's one scene of uh, the uh, like pesticide truck spraying the grapes where it's like everything's orange but the pesticide is blue. Yep. That just looks like a complete color correction fucking nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> that it looked like he just did it to, to see what would happen. And good, it's... Got new software. Like the only thing that I can wrap my mind around this movie existing is... Like, it seemed to be, maybe it was Ridley Scott going for, like, the, you know, uh, 
like you were saying, the, the whimsical French farce movie from like the fifties. Yeah, yeah. That I'm sure he really liked. Like I, I, his first, his first film he ever made as a kid was like this black and white movie about uh, you know riding a bicycle or something like that. And it, it was the same kind of feel where it's like it's very much a slice of life kind of thing. And I like the only thing I can think of is that he was going for that kind of feel, and it's not good. It, he. I think uh, this movie gets a little bit better if you cast literally anybody else yeah. as the main guy. No, if you if Russell Crowe might be the single biggest problem with this movie, yeah. and it's shocking. Yeah. Amy was watching it with me, and she said, "I don't know how Ridley Scott did it, but he made Russell Crowe unattractive to me on some like he's <laughs> he's." If if he, if you watch this, the amount of scenes where he's eating something, he's got fucking shit all over his chest, and he's like dribbling yeah. tomato all over himself, and it's it's it, like his his character makes no sense to me throughout the entire movie. Like he is a he's this high powered day trader who opens the movie, super competent. The minute you get him to France and you rent him a small car, he becomes like a bumbling buffoon who can't do anything. And then yeah. when he goes out on a date in the last 20 minutes, he becomes Russell Crowe again. Yeah. And and everything <laughs> works out for him. And then that's the end of the movie. He's he's so bizarre. The only the only thing that I thought if I had to break this movie down, it's about 35% Russell Crowe doing pratfalls and like terrible comedy stuff. Mm. It's about 17% shots of car driving back and forth on the same standard on the same like standing still camera shot over and over like yep. when he leaves the uh, the car rental place which is funny to me for some reason then when he's driving down the French roads and then the rest of it are these Russell Crowe has like what I assume to be psychotic breaks where he fantasizes about something that happened 30 years ago and has little to no impact on how the story works out at the very end where he he gets this estate from his uncle uh, he just kind of walks into it because he's the only living relative, and all these people. You're forgetting. Show up. Yeah, go ahead. You're forgetting the heart and soul of this movie, which is just a big fucking sloppy wet blowjob to the concept of wine. <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. ah, I, there's nothing I hate more than fucking wine movies. I, I hate them. I mean, I, I hate them. I feel that it, this movie doesn't even tie into the wine. Like what what goes on here has nothing to do with. Even me and Amy were trying to think of why it's called a good year. Like, which year is the good year? Is this the good year? Or are the flashbacks the good I don't know. Year? I don't know. It's just a wine even, reference. Even, even the wine thing at the end, I don't... So is the idea that the whole time that he was making bad wine on purpose because they really make good wine? Yeah. Well, why... Here, here's my fundamental, like, the, the thing. Russell Crowe comes over, right? And he, he inherits this vineyard in France. He goes there, and he's calling his uh, his real estate buddy or whatever on the phone. He's like, ah, ah, look at this place. Falling apart. The wine is terrible. Everything's bad here. Why is he upset? He, it's not like he bought this place and it's devalued because the wine is terrible. Like he got it for free, and he's going to sell it for $10 million no matter what happens yeah. because it's a vineyard in fucking southern France, and it looks beautiful. <laughs> so I don't know why he's freaking out about it. This, this feels like... Um, it, the, it feels like a movie about where you know your rich, your rich playboy gets cut down to size and learns how to to uh, reclaim his soul, a, a yeah, much, yeah. Um, yeah, his soul and a much simpler life. 
but it's it's made by someone who hasn't had a simpler <laughs> life like that in 50 years, which is exactly who Ridley Scott I, is. I think it's Ridley a, Scott has been rich and famous for a long time. I, I think that the it totally sums up that attitude where at the very end, right, uh, Russell Crowe meets his boss, and his boss is like, "You fucking asshole! You cost me so much money. I'm gonna yes. I'm gonna give you a deal to make or break oh, you. My you can God, either I you can either that. take millions of dollars or you can become a partner in my business." Yeah. <laughs> And that's you can the take, devil's it's choice. Like this, yeah, what's the fucking choice there? It's like, yeah, okay, I'll take the money and never work again for the rest of my life. <laughs> it made no sense. It's so stupid. It, it's there is The guy is totally giving him that choice as if he is giving Russell Crowe the, the hard place or like the you come with me and you sell your soul or you get nothing out of this. And instead he gets everything that he wants out of it. Yeah, and like everything just works out so perfectly like uh, at for, at to, at the end right when he forges that note yep i at first i was like oh that's fucked up i thought he was doing it specifically to like give uh the daughter some closure about stuff and it didn't occur to me that oh wait he's doing that so it voids the sale so the yep. place goes to her yes but i was like that's just so that's so such a hackneyed convenient way to solve that problem. And did you problem. pick up the fact that the, as a kid he was signing his uncle's names for his check? Yeah. So I, yeah, because yeah, now he knows how to write <laughs> full paragraphs in his uncle's handwriting because he used to copy his signature. Yep, yep. Oh my god. I, I think that the... This might be worse than Christmas Eve. I was thinking about that and I think that this is a... This movie is worse than a, like a dishonest way. Where Christmas yeah. Eve just was like I'm a garbage movie. Here, you should watch my garbage movie. This feels this feels also very ugly. I don't know if it's just the time that we're living in where this is hypersensitive. I every chance that this movie gets for no reason to either look at tits or ass on women, it just it grabs <laughs> at full throttle and is like we are going to look at ass. I was wondering I was wondering if that was like the this that the old French film kind of vibe because I'm sure I don't I never really watch a lot of them but I'm sure that yeah that the buxom element of or, yeah like yeah that element around. of sex is probably very prevalent in those movies I assume but they don't um, they don't make jokes out of it here it's really just the, when like the sunburn one the girl gets the sunburn she's like can you check out my back yeah and the guy that was just, weird guy just lifts up the sheet and looks at her ass and like her ass yeah. is just in the camera for a couple seconds and then what's her name shows her butt to the entire restaurant yeah. and the, uh, <laughs> You know, and then when they're about to have sex, the only thing you see is Russell Crowe lifts the skirt up over her ass, and so you get a nice butt cheek in yeah. your face, and then th- that's it. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I've never been a day trader. I've never worked in the <laughs> stock market. You never had lab rats uh, operating. I've never had lab rats, but I am. I'm going to say 98% sure. That their understanding of how the stock market works <laughs> is wrong. Well, it's basically the Bane it was plot like, in Batman, right? Where they, yeah. they flush everything down and Bane can type in a couple things on the computer and they can't fix it. It was like it was like a ten year old's understanding of how the stock market works, where it's like everything's open and then the thing is going up on the thing, and then he's like, Wait, sell, and then the thing starts going down and everyone's freaking out. <laughs> like <laughs> the guy from I mean like and I I, and why why there's this whole subplot about him being suspended yep. and his thing being under investigation, but, like, why? Makes no sense. Did he do anything wrong? I don't think so. I don't so. think so, and the, the movie doesn't uh, seem but, to be. Let's put it this way. 
I don't. I've never been a day trader. But then he. I the, don't have any understanding about the stock market, <laughs> but I don't think he did anything wrong. At the end of the episode, his assistant, right, who had been helping him earlier on, and at, Russell Crowe has a revelation he wants to live in France. He sets up that assistant to get fired for some reason. Yes. Oh, Russell Crowe does not change as a character at all in this movie. No, he's exactly There's the no same point. egotistical yeah. asshole. He he wouldn't. That's. I can understand if that guy was trying to usurp him or something, but there's you get no implication that that's happening. He doesn't try to save his job at the very the, end. The his assistant kind of implies it. Implies because sorry implies implies, what? implies that this guy is kind of coming for him okay because okay. she says that he was taking credit for that the the big sale that he did at first point oh and he was, he's you know, not around and since he's, he's sneaking been in there sure. yeah, yeah okay. and then she makes reference to how it's the same thing russell crowe did to his boss or something like that <laughs> it's very but Seth. even so even so it's like he's was never malicious about it it's not like he it's not like he was the other guy the other stock guy that they show, who was basically like the shredder right. from Ninja Turtles, where he was like, Russell Crowe! <laughs> yeah, it's just he he just sets him up, and then he, when he's leaving, he's like, yep, jolly good, fuck yourself, off I go, up the uh, up the escalator. And the guy, just this young kid, loses his job, apparently. It, yeah, it didn't make any was... sense. It wasn't He just wasn't his enemy during the entire thing. So why did he do that to him? It felt unnecessary. Yeah, I don't know. This movie is baffling. It's... <laughs> It's very interesting. Um, Russell Crowe, yeah, doesn't. I guess we can talk about the Russell Crowe character and how he, how little he actually changes through all this. So the the basic plot, if you haven't seen the movie and if you're listening to this or if you just need a refresher, is that he's a day trader. He comes into ownership of his house in France. He moves out there. He he meets the, the wacky people who worked on the farm, uh, work on the vineyard. Uh, he sort of befriends them. His uncle's long-lost daughter makes an appearance and she is a competition for his inheritance because it would go to her because she's a direct heir as opposed to he's a nephew or something he asks which leads to a scene where he asks his assistant or possibly his friend i can't remember which one how frowned upon uh (laughs) cousin incest is in france it was the highlight of the movie to me actually yeah i I wrote that (laughs) <laughs> is it illegal to fuck your cousin in France? Yes, over there, yeah. the cell phone. And then, and then the woman is like, "No, it's fine." Yeah. <laughs> what was? Well, well, we'll get to that. I mean, the, I guess the, the fact that it's a romantic comedy. Really, I, I do want to break down how much of a failure of a romantic comedy this is because the big failure to me is either the the creative staff did not get on the same same page about what they wanted to do, or they're just the least funny people potentially working in Hollywood at this point. Um, the I think it's Russell Crowe's fault entirely. I, I listened to, I think it was the How Did This Get Made, and they were recently, they talked about um, Virtuosity, which stars yes. Russell Crowe. Yes. And I guess the the common, the, not the rumor, but the sort of perception of Russell Crowe is that Russell Crowe in real life thinks that he's hysterical. Um, yes. He worked on SNL and was one of the uh, hosting nightmares where the host wants to get involved in the writing process, but all their ideas mm-hmm. are terrible. He has dinners where people will go with him, and he'll just like point blank you to tell him a joke in the dinner. And uh, you know he's like telling comedians to tell him a joke, and he's either laughing or not laughing. And then he's telling terrible jokes. So he has a very bad sense of humor, obviously. But the the fact that so much of the comedy just comes from a place of people not understanding where humor comes from. Like the mm. the car thing is perfect to me. His assistant just you know. Wacky assistant gives him a, a tiny car. He's driving a tiny car around. It's tiny. It's fucking tiny. It'll go zip zap in the other way and everything. And he drives that car around 
as if he is having a seizure when the car, like the, the camera will occasionally go to his POV as he's driving around. And he's screaming into his phone. He's running people over, <laughs> over on the roads. He is. Uh, his his GPS has six different kinds of French <laughs> or something. Yeah. I couldn't really figure out that thing. And in, when he dri- when he drives past his thing, instead of the, doing the thing that the GPS does in real life, where it turns off and says you've arrived, it says go back. You missed your you missed the driveway. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a. It, it's it's the sense of. It's paint-by-numbers comedy. It's someone who doesn't really understand what's funny about this, but they know that giving him a funny car should be funny in a comedy. Yeah. And it, it doesn't work on any level whatsoever. The only reason it made me laugh is the scene where he's leaving the dealership and he drives back and forth for no reason and then beeps and the horn is very funny. It's like, beep, beep. Um, that's, the, <laughs> that's the only thing that made me laugh. And other than that, it does... Uh, you were talking about the sped-up shot. It's a Benny Hill sequence. He drives yeah. around the... Uh, rotary five times and then takes off in another direction. Yeah, I I love Ridley Scott. <clears throat> I think he's, you know, I, I was I was talking to, to uh, Jim, our buddy Jim, about this. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we were trying to. Uh, I I mentioned this movie. Does he know this movie? No. Okay. But I, I was talking about we were doing Ridley Scott and and. I was saying how I was surprised it was this movie. I'm not surprised anymore. But I, but <laughs> as I as I thought about it, I we were both kind of thinking like, yeah, he doesn't really have a lot of stinkers. He's kind of kind of pretty much a solid bet for the most part. It's usually you know 60 or above if you were going to put a grade on it. The only other th- one I could think of was like maybe that Exodus movie. Yeah, which I haven't seen. I actually heard it wasn't that bad, but. Um, does he have another this, comedy in his? No, no. That's what I kind of what I'm getting. To. Yeah. Uh, this is the only comedy he's made, and I love him as a filmmaker, but I don't think he's watched a comedy in 55 years. Right. Yeah. He's like again. It feels like this feels like a movie that he would have seen when he was growing up. Yes. You know, like yeah. he just he does. He's not a comedy director. It's not. It's not in his wheelhouse. I was actually. And, well, let me. Yeah, I'm done. Well, sorry. Yeah, but the let me. I was thinking that when you do a like to me, let's see how I want to phrase this. the The direction here is very nice. He he gets very nice. Like he's a he's obviously a very good director. He's capable of getting these shots. He doesn't really get the performance that he needs to out of Russell Crowe, but that might be Russell yeah. Crowe. The the thing to me, comedies. When I think of movie comedies, restraint is how I would describe the direction of a comedy. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you you need to it's not oh it's not named directors who do this. It's not like visual artists. It is a you it's more important for directors to have a sense of what is funny than to make it look good on some yeah. level. And if and if you do have a comedy that has like a visual you know uh flair. High yeah, visual flair um director attached to it, usually he kind of stands he gets out of the way yes. of the people who are, you know, usually you know, we were talking about Alien and how Alien works so well because Ridley Scott cast the hell out of it and cast people who were knew what they were doing and confident enough in it that he could just kind of be left alone to leave them alone and focus on the uh, um, visuals. He did not do that with this movie. No, he should have. He should have cast this movie much better than he did. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and I think that the you know if you're going for the whimsical thing, there's a lot of. Um a lot of scenes of people just walking through the vineyard and he's shooting the vineyard. He obviously loves this kind of culture because he shoots the hell out of this house, um, which is right. spectacular. And he, it's a lot of, 
It's a lot of scenes of Russell Crowe looking into the camera as he's walking through the areas. It's very whimsical. It's very mm-hmm. much in that that vein. And if you want, if you want to adapt it to Russell Crowe's kind of comedy here, it would still be a terrible movie. But it would be much less of this camera moving around and much more of the getting to the interactions there. So they, they kind of middle of the road. They didn't. The script isn't strong enough to be a comedy standing on its own. But the performances are killing the kind of directoral tone that Ridley Scott yeah. is going for. Yeah, like I, overall, I, I, the idea of, you know, he, he's basically coming back to this place and being overwhelmed by the nostalgia of it. Yep. And that's, that's, that in and of itself, I think, is, is actually executed pretty well. Um, <clears throat> the, the flashbacks he's having of, of interacting with his uncle and all that kind of stuff, I think that stuff actually works. Uh, until you get to the end, and it's the the girl was at his house and kissed him. Yeah. That's, that's, that's stupid. Um, but uh, you know, the, the more subtle kind of uh, heartfelt stuff, I think, isn't a failure. No. Um, the stuff that's more performance based is just a train. Well, run. I would say that I don't really understand the relationship between Russell Crowe and Albert Finney who plays his uncle because no me neither yeah you you get the sense through the flashbacks that they actually love each other but he doesn't like him enough to actually write it into his will to give him the thing because he's like he turned into a terrible person so I'm not gonna give it to him and like I I thought so the way that he was talking about his uncle before like the story started rolling it's like he was talking about him with such like dismissal and discontent or and contempt. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's like, so I assumed it was like, oh, that stuff at the beginning. Maybe that was like the last summer he spent there. But it's like, no, I haven't talked to him in ten years. Yeah. Like, so wait, you were twenty? How old is he? Forty? He's probably about forty-five says, in that movie. Yeah, it says twenty-five years later after this. So yeah, yeah. So he's like thirty, mid thirties, yep. when this is taking place. So he was a fully formed adult the last time that he spoke to his to his uncle. Yes, <laughs> it's 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 just a very strange, like we yeah, the way that he's of that degrading relationship. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, there's no indication of how or why he turned on him. Yep. You know, he, I don't even think he had. He he talks about him, you know, drinking and screwing his life away. <clears throat> excuse me, in a negative manner. But we're we're never really told that that's what caused the turn. Like he he's he never expresses that he had a change of of uh, um, uh, heart towards his uncle's uh, lifestyle or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess you could argue at the very end he even sort of betrays him in a way because he his his uncle deliberately didn't write the will. For that to sort of uh, to give it to the daughter, and it ends up going to the daughter, but only because Russell Crowe forges the letter from him mm. to sort of cause it to happen. So the, there's a great amount of disrespect, I guess, going towards the uncle throughout the entire thing. And also, he only decides to do that after he finds out that the wine is really good. Yep. 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 Uh. <laughs> Would up the sale price by a good million bucks or something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I, I really couldn't get over the fact that they were so concerned that the the place was run down. It's like this, it's this beautiful mansion with a vineyard that maybe doesn't also, produce great wine, but whatever. Also, he's like, I got to fix this place up before we sell it in seventy two hours. <laughs> it's like the, the 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 pool is the pool literally has 
ankle deep cow shit in it yep. and he's like well i got 72 hours to turn this place into an immaculate palace I, I think that was also when he starts painting the hallway that was probably method russell crowe because i was like russell you got to sand that shit down before you just start yeah. lathering paint <laughs> over it you can't just paint a crumbling paint uh but yeah he didn't he didn't do any of that yeah so a good portion of the movie is him trying to uh, fix up the place, which I didn't actually realize until I read the description of the movie afterwards. I thought he was just killing time, but he's actually he's trying to improve the sale price of the property. And, yeah. and we can talk about the uh, the workers on the farm, who are the Duflor Duflo, Duflos, I think, something like Duflos. Um, mm-hmm. I don't understand what's going on between Russell Crowe and the wife, if there is anything going on. She's just the sassy French lady who's all about, like, you know, shaking her tits at people. <laughs> Russell Crowe. That's, that's my understanding of French women. And their husband is the, the guy who, probably the character that makes the most sense here, where he's the, he's the one who's worked on the vineyard for the whole entire amount of time, and he's upset that the house is going to get sold and he's going to lose his job and everything like that. Also a uh, run-down french stereotype as well yes actually um kyle faithful listener kyle tweeted at me said he's never seen a more racist movie and that was before <laughs> i before i've watched it i i don't know if kyle means racist towards the french um i thought it was actually more sexist than racist i was kind of watching he had primed me to sort of watch for waiting for the racism to pop out and i, mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. i was a little bit surprised that it didn't come out that way um yeah i that didn't I don't know. I feel like some of that stuff is fair is is a little bit uh, subjective because I mean, well, Russell Crowe is not exactly uh, a paragon of uh, virtue. Of, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there, so, he's also like, not you know, American you, in the movie, which I think matters on some level. Right. Like right. Right. That's why the car thing struck me as weird because it, it's not the cliche American goes over to Europe and gets stuck with a tiny car. You know, he he is a European. He's familiar with small cars over there yeah, yeah. I, I don't know but they still they still do the thing where he gets in the wrong side of the car oh that's <laughs> does france but, have it on the other side from i guess yeah i guess france is on the other side than england so it's on the american side okay all right yeah well at least it taught us one thing about this uh the world um yeah but the the french the french family and then we meet the daughter who comes in who the the daughter, yeah, just just all those characters culminating in their dinner scene with each other, um, mm-hmm. where Russell Crowe loses his mind and starts accusing her. I I I don't know. Like none of the character work in the movie works on any kind of level. Like it, I in that scene in particular, I felt really bad because he, he, I felt like his his acting had shades of uh, <clears throat> drunk Patrick McGowan when Patrick <laughs> McGowan plays drunk. Yeah, he had that same sort of like his voice kind of went up a little bit. Yeah. And as he was being accusatory, hmm? like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, very yeah, smart. Uh, that that daughter character was just like a waste of space. Really? Man. What is she? The, she just shows up and just like gets hit on by old dudes yep. and her cousin, and then the like friend gets who sunburned. shows up at the last day. Yeah, gets a uh, uh, a unintentionally sexy sunburn, <laughs> and I I don't know. It was. Yeah. Again, again, I think I didn't think she was particularly good. I think maybe I would like to say maybe a better actress could have done something more with it, but she didn't really have a lot to work with. Well, so. I mean, when when she's leaving at the very end and she's about to catch the bus or whatever to go back home, and he Russell Crowe drives up to her, 
It, it felt yep. so out of place to me. I was like, this character doesn't care about her. Why Why is he driving over to get her? They haven't spent any time together in this entire thing. And she, she exists in a weird plot point of the movie where just her existence is enough for the character and she adds nothing else to the movie. Like there's right. no, just the fact that she exists and Russell Crowe can't kill her to get the estate is the only <laughs> reason that she's around at this point because she doesn't, her characterization doesn't work and Russell Crowe can't fall in love with her or anything mm-hmm. because she's his cousin. And, and she's not after the place. It's not like she's trying to get the place. Right. She's more just in the wine. Yeah, yeah. She's she's only she is only a conflict because Russell Crowe thinks she's a conflict. Yes. Yeah. You know, at no point is she like, I'm here to reclaim my birthright or whatever. Or it's just, she's just like no. I just you know I just want to find out who my dad was. I don't know anything about him. Yeah, right. But but Russell Crowe is like, she could be coming for my throne that I only just now learned that I had. <laughs> it's only worth three million dollars. I can get it up mm, to four. If I paint this throne, maybe I can get another twenty five dollars. <laughs> and um, it's another aspect of I thought was he's he's pitched as a wildly successful day trader, right? He's got like all these underlings working under him. I don't know if lab rats is the right word for the, what their role is to him, but yeah, uh, he's plays very highfalutin. Yet somehow he is not the head honcho at his own firm, uh, which I thought was interesting. He's not even a partner yet at that point. Right, right. Um, yeah, well, you know, so, you gotta you gotta get that <laughs> devil's bargain at the end there. I think that the. Let's talk about the romance, which is oddly tacked on. Where he, he meets uh, the actress is Marion Cotillard, and uh, yeah, I thought she was good. I thought she was good. She's I've rarely seen her in something where I didn't enjoy her. Yeah, I think she, this is a very early performance for her, uh, but she is very mm-hmm. good. And what's it's funny to me that the romance really only exists in the last twenty minutes of the movie on some level. Like he's not. He doesn't even even crashing into her on in his car doesn't spark the relationship. Yeah, because he doesn't even see it happen. Yeah, he just he just drives <laughs> off, and she finds him later and yells at him, and then she is portrayed as getting over a rough relationship or something, so she doesn't want to date. And then Russell Crowe's like, "Oh, by the way, I'm Russell Crowe," and she falls in love with him. Mm-hmm. And over the course of this movie. Up until the point where he declares his love for her at the very end and they live together, they go on one date with each other. Yep. One date. Yep. One date. And that's it. That's the only That's all you need, man. <laughs> you know when you know, you know, you know? <laughs> that's all the interaction that they have with each other. And it's so it's so Well weird. he 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 uh steps in and uses his college uh waiter training to Yep, to save the day. To, effortlessly uh, work his way through this restaurant system that he's never even <laughs> encountered before. <laughs> and, yeah, they just, they, they fall in love, and that's that's it at the end. There's really no, the only conflict is whether or not, it's not even that she, he can get her to sleep with her. It's just like he's, he, she doesn't want to be in a relationship, and Russell Crowe just has to fight through that, and that's the entire conflict. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she goes out of her way to be like, I have to tell you, I'm awful. <laughs> I don't like people. I'm very bossy. I'm very jealous. I'm kind of a bitch. I'm gonna tell you that right up front. That, He's like, "Yeah, I'm down." He's like, All right, love. I'm just it's whatever we need. Yeah, it's just, I am it's, also uh, a jerk. <laughs> Fighting around the world, uh, the South Park yeah. Times, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Do we have any other big arching thoughts about this? Um, let me see. What I'm looking at my notes here. I don't. 
don't think I had too many. Man, didn't you love that scorpions gag? Worked every time. Every single time. Is the lavender supposed to keep away the scorpions? Is that what? I think so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of scorpions apparently in France, and anytime you can get uh, Russell Crowe jumping up on the bed, it's 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 hilarious. Something you should do. So, what is what that scene? That scene where the friend ices down the girl's back. Yep. Was so odd. <laughs> because there's no relationship there. No. Like it's no. It's not even like the stuff. <laughs> it's inviting a stranger into your house yeah, to rub it ice was on like your naked body. The way that it played was like the guy was in the scene, but the girl was refused to act. <laughs> Where she was just like, no, I think this scene is bullshit, so I'm not even going to act like I'm, you know, it's flirty or something. You can shoot it however you want, but I'm going to act like this is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's Chris. Uh, I just, I have to mention the. Um, I mean, I, I do think that, that that whole sequence is absurd until you realize that Russell Crowe goes on one date in the movie. Like, the fact that mm-hmm. when that Chris guy leaves, he's like, baby, I've never felt this way about anyone. She's And she just goes off and does whatever. But they, the, the we talked about how the comedy feels like someone who's never heard a joke before. It, it feels like aliens are at the romance aspect of it because yeah. no one's romance <laughs> makes any sense. And yeah, it's it's romance level on par with like the room, and I, basically. I think I remember what Kai was talking about. the The movie ends with an out of nowhere racist joke about black guys uh, being rappers at the very end. Oh yeah! That? Oh shit! I completely. What was that? <laughs> like, what was the punchline to that joke? So, if you don't know, I'll, I'll break down the joke where his assistant is going to stay in his house. For some reason and for some reason she's having a meeting with a rapper and so she goes down and she's like there's two guys is a is a uh, a well-dressed dapper sort of uh white guy i think he's white or he might he, he's certainly not a black guy and then there's a black guy who's got the whole hip-hop thing going on uh dressed to the t and so she she goes and she walks over to the black guy and she's like oh you you're the rapper and the guy says no i'm the manager and then he points at the other guy who's this well-dressed like dapper gentleman he says he's the rapper and then that's and then they cut they cut back to the girl. It's like wah wah. <laughs> just just a little bit of racism there. Although it's it's a deceptive joke stuff. But I don't think that was hinted at in the entire movie that she was going to have that meeting or anything. And it's it's totally out of left field. And it's not like it's not like a character thing for her. No, like to it's be not... yeah to be sort of confused about people or something like that. Yeah, I it was very very serious. Uh, yeah, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> That's it th- again. That seemed like that seemed like the kind of joke a seventy-year-old man would find funny. Yes, like yeah. it's like man, you can't even tell who which ones are the rappers anymore. Yeah, you am can't. I right? Yeah, every, what's the rest of the, development the kids, joke? You get them down to nothing, and it's hard to tell which is the boy or girl. What when she's talking yeah. about? Uh, what's that? What's that character's name? Oh, the, you shit. you me. Oh god, their adoptive son. Uh, oh, Tobias. No, sorry. The, uh, no, the, George Michael? No, the Asian kid. Oh, Anya. Anya, that's right. Yeah. That's Anya, okay. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much how the, the movie ends right there, and it smash cuts to Ridley Scott directed and uh, produced the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we're done. We've covered pretty much everything of it. I, I, I think it's a truly terrible movie. I, It's one of those movies where we watch Christmas Eve, and I look at Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm like, all right, 15 reviews, all negative. That makes sense. 
where did the the 25 percent positive reviews come from and one of them i tweeted out about it was like a um a review for a for parents for teen movies so they review things yeah. as though teen appropriate and mm -hmm. everything and the, they thought things were a little bit too sexy and there was some wine involved but otherwise your teen would be able to enjoy this movie so sure <laughs> you know uh, the one thing jim was saying was uh um he was wondering if we were using the critic score or the the audience score and he was seemed to think that the audience score might be a better barometer because the critics there's such a wide dis discrepancy nowadays. Yep. Um, Do you know what the critical score is on Rotten Tomatoes for this movie? I don't. You said it was 25, right? That's the critic score. I'm oh, sorry. Do you know what the audience score is? No, I don't. I believe it's 52, but let me look. Well, yeah, because I was going to say he said, "Well, what about IMDb?" And I said, "IMDb is even more difficult because that shit is." doesn't make any sense anymore and i checked the the imdb score in this movie is like 7.5 I, I think there and has been there's been something going on sorry it's audience score of 65 percent so you sorry continue what you think uh i i yeah I, the the imdb score i don't know where that shit comes from uh anymore like uh, so i don't know if it's the number of people who are doing it or people are just like it's Ridley Scott, uh, therefore I like him or something? Yeah, I don't know. Like, this movie, 7.7s are usually... Usually at IMDb, you can bump it up a couple... You can bump it up a couple points. Um, so if it's like a 6, it's usually pretty good. Uh, but if it's a 7, it's usually a solid movie. This On Amazon, this has 1,063 reviews. It's at 4.5 out of 5 stars. What the fuck? There, I, there's some sort of brigading... Thing going on here because there's no I'm telling you it's this feels like a Hallmark Channel movie yeah the the, the audience of Hallmark Channel movies are writing reviews and star ratings let, for let me movie. read what the okay so here's the top rated review on Amazon not to dip too close uh, intellectual property wise to how did this get yeah, made this is what they used to do, but <laughs> I, I need to know for this one because this one yeah. feels skewed to me this was not the case for Christmas Eve it did not have good reviews uh, it's 5 out of 5 a great feel ro good romantic comedy Watch this movie, even though I'm not a fan, except for Gladiators, Gladiators of Russell Crowe, because a friend recommended it. Well, was I surprised. Both the movie and Mr. Crowe's performance are simply delightful. Such a feel-good movie that I just had to own a copy. Oof. Yep. And sure. they're all highly, highly related. I don't, I don't really... Something must be going on. There must be some company involved in the sales of this that they've just sort of spammed out these reviews because it is not a good movie um it doesn't deserve these ratings um so i i'll give you one from imdb this is uh nine out of ten stars <clears throat> as a longtime fan of russell crowe i do know that he can be funny charming sweet and romantic not only on film but in real life this was written by russell crowe <laughs> His recent his recent appearances on the TV promotional circuit have proved this once again. Those who only know his films since L.A. Confidential, for the most part, focus on his ability to capture and project power, strength, and inner turmoil. This is 100% written by him. <laughs> Those who have seen his films such as Proof, For the Moment, Love in Limbo, and The Sum of Us have seen his ability to show gentler, funnier, and often more uncertain sides of the human experience. I would also argue that these are readily seen in his films such as The Insider, A Beautiful Mind, and Cinderella Man. A Good Year is a wonderful return to the rustle of those earlier films. Like a Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers movie, <laughs> you, know, you know just where it's likely going to take you, but with such lovely, engaging people in such a wonderful setting, you just want to enjoy the trip. And so you shall. 
What a refreshing change from the overheated, oversexed, over-special affected, and quotes, an over-bloodied fare that Hollywood usually dishes out. Thank you so much, Mr. Crow and Mr. Scrot, for my little vacation in the second <laughs> place. Nine stars. I want to stress, if, if you haven't seen this, watch the first 20 minutes. If Russell Crowe should have been serious contender for worst actor, like a Razzie, this year, because yes. he, he is horrible horrible in this in christmas eve no one is this bad of a performance the the movie sucks and the characters suck in that movie but this performance is sinking the ship the entire way he has he has sylvester stallone comedy disease in this movie yeah yeah and if you don't know what that is that's where uh for some reason sylvester stallone when he plays comedy parts needs you to know that he knows that he's playing a comedy part. Yeah, he's not being so, serious. This is not him. He's acting. Yeah, he wants you to know yeah. that he's acting. Yeah, like Tango and Cash, or like Judge Dredd, or something like that, or or you know any of the Stop and My Mom Will Shoot. He he has to make sure that you know that he's in on the joke, and uh, that's how I feel Russell Crowe is in this movie, where he's like, this is, it's not Russell Crowe playing comedy. It's Russell Crowe going, this is me playing comedy. Do you know the reason why I spent the night with you? It is because once you have done what you came here to do, you will not return. For us, there can be no future. There is safety in that. Well... There is absolutely nothing stopping us from sitting at your cafe in Notting Hill. London (laughs) definitely needs a decent bistro. Mm. How typical to assume that I live in Provence because I have no choice. If only this place just doesn't suit my life. No, Max. It is your life that doesn't suit this place. Yeah, he's he's honestly the worst part of it. I, I know that the focus of this is Ridley Scott. I think that it's competently directed, except it feels like he got overpowered by the acting at this point like yeah. he, he had no way to fix it like do you i i still think the script is bad on, on oh it's terrible yeah it's a bad it's script but it's awful um honestly what you said earlier was what we were th- talking about it last night it's just if you replaced russell crowe with anybody it would have been in a better movie from it yeah 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 which is which is weird to say about uh russell crowe it's also weird that this movie is 12 years old at this point yeah like this it should this could be a movie where if you have the right cast, the the goofy stuff over, uh, makes up for the lack of plot. Yes, like yep. the the comedy would be you know funny and engaging enough or strong enough that you don't really care that it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, or just not aggressively bad. Just like if it's a gentle comedy, you might just be like, yeah, whatever. This is not particularly yeah, good, yeah. but it, it washes over you. But it's so distracting in this one that it knocks it down. Hallmark Channel, man. Hallmark Channel. I wonder if this has ever actually aired on that. I think I'm done. Yeah, I looked at all the reviews. That's about it. It's at 65% audience. Did Jim think that we should do the audience score? I think the Uh, audience score is a worse indicator of what the movie will be like. Yeah, I think I understand why he was saying that. (laughs) That was also based on some talk about Star Wars, how the critic score for Star Wars was so high, but the audience score was so low. It's the opposite for Discovery. Ironic, like the um, the critic score is low, but the audience score is yeah. high for Discovery. Yeah, I and I, <clears throat> I am aware that there, 
recently in the past couple years, people have been really like tanking scores in e- either direction. Yeah, we're not saying this is a perfect uh, system here. It's just yeah, like, yeah. But you no, know, I think I think the Rotten Tomatoes critic is probably the best way to go. Yes, I think so. Uh, as long as those teen rating websites don't screw things up for us too far. Um, <laughs> but that's about it. We're done talking about this movie. I. This movie was too long, I guess. Oh my god, it's so long. I took a break. I thought I took a break at the half halfway point so we could go get dinner. I came back and started it up again and I had only watched 35 <laughs> minutes of it. It's it I think it's an hour and 57 minutes. It's a very very yeah, long. It feels like a fucking week. Yep, it does. Um but that's it. A good year. So we liked Alien, which is a little surprise. We didn't like a good year. Yeah. Um, I wonder. What are we doing next? We have, we have Tom Cruise next, which is oh, cocktails right. yeah. and why can't I think of the other one? It's uh, uh, risky business. Risky business is the high. So cocktails there's, at five percent. There's there's no way there's no way 1980s Tom Cruise and cocktail can be worse than this. No, movie. I, I I'd have a I'd have a, I don't think I've seen cocktail, so I'll be interested. I have not either. Uh, to watch that and see if it could possibly be worse than this. But um, yeah, it's Tom Cruise will be next. We'll start it with the worst one to alternate it. So instead of going best worst, we'll go worst to best. So we'll after after I watched this movie, I had to rewatch the last like 25 minutes of Mother. Yep, which is a fucking. Like an acid trip, just to like reset my equilibrium. Yeah, just to get that palate, uh, palate cleanse in there, I guess, with the wine and everything would taste good. If you um, haven't seen Mother, you should see it. It's really good. It's it's not for everybody, but it's really great. So that's about it for a good year. We'll be moving on. Ridley Scott's done. We did Patrick Stewart. We'll be moving on to Tom Cruise. Uh, if you guys wonder how we decide this, it's voted on at patreoncom slash file. If you're a patron of uh, the channel, you can support or you can vote for what you want to see. He he narrowly beat out Natalie Portman by like two votes, which is interesting. That's an that's an interesting choice. I like what are, people. What are her... the the, re- uh, the reason I heard from a few people was that if they were better Tom Cruise movies or like movies that are more what people kind of expect from Tom Cruise, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, because they are both '80s comedy type movies. Um, yeah, I guess I get. Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, I guess my, I guess I was more, uh, curious about why Natalie Portman. She's, I guess, I guess why not? Yeah, it's but I just, just voting for Republican or Democrat. You have to vote for one. So you're going to vote for the one yeah. that you hate the least, I guess. Well, did you, did you, did you choose Natalie Portman to put on the thing? I, I have a list. People make suggestions. I use random.org okay. every month to choose two random people and I just pair them up together. Yeah. I guess, I don't know. It just seems like a, 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 a very random choice, but not that Between not those that two, she's, you, you're talking yeah. about, yes, I, I'd agree. I mean, I, yes, and I'm, I'm just, I, it does feel random. There's no, like, thematic correlation between them, but I don't want to, I also don't want too much thematic correlation where it feels like mm. you regret missing out on the other one if you like that kind of genre or something. Also, is Natalie Portman's lowest rated movie Phantom Menace? Because I will not be watching no, that movie again. No, it's a planetarium or something like that. I had oh. never heard of it before. All right. Um, cool. That's about it. A good year. It's terrible. It might be worse than Christmas Eve, even though it's at 25% Christmas Eve is at zero. Uh, yeah, Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve at least is like a fascinating train wreck. Yep. Christmas this, Eve sort of realizes that it's schlock as well. It realizes that it kind of knows that it's bad and it just doesn't care about it. it. Yeah, and it's not made by people who should know better, right. like you said. Yeah. <laughs> it's made by some no-name uh, Mormon from Utah who directed his last movie 15 years uh, before he came on to Christmas Eve. Mitt Romney. Yep. 
what was that guy's name? I can't remember. It's Mitch. His name is Mitch. So Mitch Romney. Mitch Romney. Uh, that's it. A good year. Hope you guys enjoyed. Again, if you want to uh, help decide what we talk about in the upcoming months, you go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. Support the show there. And that's about it. We'll be back with Tom Cruise's stuff. Any final words for a good year, Clay, before we sign off? No, but if you, uh, happen to, if you happen to be in a comic book store after January 31st and you feel like picking up a copy of my book Redline, I'd be much obliged. I'm going to be pitching this in every episode I'm on, so get used yep, to it. Yep, yep. Uh, what is it now? It's January 15th or something. So we got a, we got a couple, couple weeks till it comes out for Clay. And I don't think we have anything else on. Listen to Discovery. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've listened to Discovery. you listened to DS9, blah, blah, blah. The best of DS9 episode season one video went up. Let me know what you think about that. I think that's it. All right. So, and let us know about any feedback about this show that you think uh, would be interesting to hear or some criticism or positive feedback would be nice to know. Um, I don't know if people like the amount of information I talk about the person before the episode, if we should just get into the movie. I don't know. We'll uh, we'll figure it out as we move forward. But we'll be back. With you know what you should do? Go ahead. Think on it and have yourself a nice glass of red wine. <laughs> I I've never had a glass because wine as a concept is ju- I don't it's know. It's very I deep. I, was gonna, I, I my yeah. my brother in law sells wine and he knows more about wine. I've never Just make him watch this movie. Yeah, I should recommend it. I've never had a. Uh, I've never had wine so bad I spit it out, Although, so maybe I'm doing wine wrong, I guess, at that point. I, I just don't know wine all that well. Um, I don't. Why? What do you think is more obnoxious, to be into wine or into craft brewing? Uh, I think they are of the same... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the same? Milieu, yeah. I guess. Well, I, I, I relate um, it to skiers drink wine and snowboarders drink craft beer. That's fair. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, no, I mean, being a wine snob is is a high high class activity. Yes, yeah, or at least or at least creates the illusion of high <laughs> class. Anyway, <clears throat> craft craft being into craft beer is a little bit more, uh, you know, hipstery. Yes, but I don't think you know. I don't think there's anything wrong with either of those things. But just fucking keep it to yourself, man. Yep. Come on. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I can. I don't, you don't need to. You don't need to pay thirty five million dollars so you can explain to people how great you think wine is. Right, and I'll just I, I since it's something I can't scientifically prove, you know, like I can't I can't prove your consistency with your view. Like if I were to lay out five different beers and have you blind taste this, test them, and then come back a day later and taste them again and tell me which ones were the which ones, mm-hmm. I I'd have a hard time believing people can really do that all that particularly well. But maybe I'm being uh, ungenerous with my. Well, I mean, this is going way off track, but uh, <clears throat> there is actually, uh, you know, how they have uh, sommeliers for wine. Yes. There is a beer a beer equivalent called the Cicerone, which okay. is there is it's a four level. I only know this because my cousin had to take the test to, uh, to for the job that he works at. Um, there's four levels, and only eleven people in the world have ever made it to level four. Nice, nice, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> it's like Scientology, only more yeah, more of a big time. Yeah, um, he didn't quite go clear, but he's made it to uh, OT OT three. <laughs> he's made it to fuzzy hazy at some step. Huh? Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I don't think Russell Crowe's a Scientologist, does he? He seems like he might be. Tom Cruise, sir. Um, I don't think he is. I don't think so. No. I think he's too angry for that. Yeah. All right. Well, we're done with uh, we're done with Ridley Scott. We're moving on to Tom Cruise. Guys, thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time. <laughs>